This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're joined in the studio by Dr. Chinazo Cunningham, Commissioner for the State Office of Addiction Services and Supports. And regular listeners of the show have likely heard Commissioner Cunningham join us in the past to talk about issues relevant to her day job, including combating the opioid epidemic. And in many of those conversations, I've made passing references to her days on the Northwestern University softball team, where she racked up a variety of accolades, including the Big Ten Conference's Freshman of the Year, the Big Ten Batting Champion of 1990 and left college with the school's on-base percentage record. So today we're going to flip the switch and dive into Commissioner Cunningham's athletic history and hear about some of her thoughts on the importance of sports. Welcome back to the show, Commissioner. Thank you. Happy to be here. So you were not the only athlete in your family growing up, and I read that you and your older sister played, quote, every sport under the sun with the boys and girls in the neighborhood. Can you elaborate on what that experience was like, including whether this was organized sports or just pickup activities? Yeah, we literally played every sport. Um, We uh, had our next-door neighbors who we grew up with. It was a very athletic family. And we would play in the backyard, in the street. Um, we'd play football, kickball, soccer, you know, tag, and, you know, all of that when we were little kids. And then as they started to play more organized sport, we, we saw, sort of saw what was available mm-hmm. and kind of followed suit. So um, when I was younger, I swam competitively. I played soccer, softball, volleyball, basketball. Well, your sister said that playing with boys uh, helped her become a better athlete. What was your takeaway from that experience? Was it just the wide selection of sports that were out there or the fact that there were organized sports? Or do you think it did make you more competitive and a better athlete? Yeah, I would say it's not just playing with boys. It was playing with kids that were older. Okay. Um, I was on the younger side when, when I sort of looked at our neighborhood. And so a lot of the kids you know, forced you to be pretty tough, right? You didn't want to be crying. Well, imagine having an older sister, too, was probably a difficult sporting challenge, too. Right, right. And so it was, you know, you wanted to hold your own, right? Like you didn't want to go home crying and you wanted to, you know, hang around with a pack that was older. And and so it was sort of just sticking it out and showing that I belonged. And so like fighting my way in there um, as the youngest of three kids and then, you know, one of the younger ones in the sort of neighborhood. And how did you get involved in softball? What was the early memories you have of playing softball? Yeah, so back in the day, the earliest we could play organized softball was at age nine. Okay. Um, And so the first chance that I had, uh, I started playing softball and really just played with people in the neighborhood, people that I went to school with and, um, you know, on the weekends and it was all fun. You know, I certainly didn't realize that scholarships were available for softball or for really sports in general up until I was in high school. So it was really playing for fun and playing with friends and just sort of getting outside and running around. Was there a point where you realized that you were exceptional at softball? Was it in high school? Was it earlier than that? Yeah, it was probably around when I was entering high school. So these were the days before we had a travel team, but okay. we actually did have one travel team in the Bay Area in, in California, and that's where I grew up. And so that team brought girls together from really, you know, many different high schools. And so I could see older girls on that team, and so I could see that there was a path um, ahead where a few of them got scholarships. So then it became a little bit more clear, like, oh, you, I could do this. This is a path. 
um, and there's another possibility to continue playing after high school. How, if at all, did your parents guide or foster your interest in sports from being a, a young girl to becoming a woman potentially heading off to play sports in college? Yeah, so I, I grew up in a single-parent household, just my mom, and um, she was very supportive, but she you know, wasn't so active necessarily in, in, in sports. I mean, she was there to support us, so she might have played a supporting role when we were younger, like mm-hmm. a manager on a team or something like that. But she certainly didn't push us, and she didn't have like expertise in sports, but I think really just to be there and be supportive of something that we enjoyed. And how did you end up at Northwestern? So I was recruited by several schools. Um, A lot of them were in the Midwest, so Minnesota, Indiana, Creighton, Stanford. Not a Midwest school, Stanford. Yes, right. And and so I went went on recruiting visits, and I really tried out kind of um, what those places look like, you know, what the personality of the programs and the coaches and the girls were. And I um, definitely felt at home mm-hmm. uh, at a place like Northwestern because for me, it really was a school that had you know, extraordinary athletics and academics. Or, sort of that combination was really important for me. Well, speaking of home, it's my understanding that your older sister attended Nor- Northwestern. So did that factor into the decision at all? Was that appealing or was there just this, I can't believe I can't get away from my sister? Yeah, no, she, yeah, I, I think it was appealing, but, you know, she got recruited by a lot of the same schools that I did, mm-hmm. and so when I came around, they were like, oh, you could play against your sister. I mean, that wasn't, I mean, to me, it wasn't a good thing or a bad thing, um, but I think, you know, she, I knew that she was having a positive experience at the school at Northwestern and with the coach and the, and the teammates, so I knew that it would be positive for me, and, you know, at that time, California really dominated the softball landscape, and so more than half of the t- girls on the Northwestern team were Californians. And I knew them from playing, you know, at, at our travel team mm-hmm. before coming to college. So, so I definitely had a good feel for a lot of the girls that were already on the team in addition to my sister. So this wasn't like a league of their own situation where the younger sister, the pitcher, is trying to get out of the shadow of her older sister, the star catcher, uh, Dottie. You, you, you got along better, it sounds like, than those two. Yeah, we got along. And actually, she also was a pitcher. Mm-hmm. In, in, in high school, we would pitch and catch for each other. So she would pitch and I would catch and then we'd flip and I would pitch and she would catch. And then once we got to the college level, um, I was doing more of the pitching and she was doing the catching. So we were sort of used to just um, going back and forth and um, you know we could sort of handle catching for each other and others couldn't necessarily. Uh, so, so I think that was definitely part of the appeal as well. You eventually married a Northwestern University baseball player. I have to imagine you knew each other at school. So what sort of competitiveness or rivalries existed or continue to exist between you to this day? Yeah, he's going to kill me. But um, so <laughs> we met when I was a freshman in, at Northwestern, and we've been together ever since, so many decades. Um, we were really good in softball. They weren't that good in baseball. Um, so he, you know, still to this day talks about how cocky we were <laughs> uh, as softball players because we expected to win and we won most of the time. Um, and so I think that, you know, just having that attitude and that confidence was clear from a lot of the softball players and not so much with baseball. So you bring up an issue, which is sometimes a a school can have a women's sports team that is just 
completely outperforming maybe its men's counterpart, but we don't always necessarily see an emphasis on women's athletics, whether it's terms to promotion or just the facilities and accommodations that are made for them. Did stuff like that appear to you when you were a college student? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have to say Northwestern has amazing women's sports, mm-hmm. really. Uh, the lacrosse team there has won national championships, multiple national championships. The uh, field hockey team as well. My roommate was a field hockey player. Uh, the softball team, we were very good. So the women really excelled. Uh, and, and I think, you know, because for a lot of women, we knew that there was not another chapter after college. So this was it. And so we, I think a lot of women uh, use that vehicle of sports and academics, knowing that they were there to get their college degree. I think for the men, it was a little bit of a different perspective because I think a lot of them thought they were going to go on and play professionally. So D- Delusional. <laughs> well, yeah. So, you know, I th- it, so there, there was a different approach um, to, to kind of what the sport was and the opportunities that it gave you or it didn't give you. And, and so I think women really took it seriously. They took their academics seriously mm-hmm. and, and their athletics as well um, and really performed, you know, at, at a very high level. Well, that answer sets up my transition very well, which is you've talked about the experience at Northwestern, both from the education, but also the sports, really setting you up with the skills that, uh, you know, help you manage your schedule. And so I'm, I'm curious, what is it about being a collegiate athlete in particular and a high-level one that you think has translated uh, to helping you navigate really a, a high-wire life? I mean, you are a high-profile person. You've had prestigious jobs. You are unbelievably successful. So how do you think that has impacted your success? Yeah, so I really, you know, even though it's been, you know, a few decades, obviously, since I've played sports, I really think of myself as an athlete still. And it's really because sports you know, made me what I am today. Um, so there are so many lessons that I learned that I apply in other parts of my life. And some of those lessons, you know, include performance under pressure or perseverance dis- despite failure. You know, in the softball field, you know, e- if you don't get a hit seven times out of 10, that you're doing pretty well, yeah. right? You're going to the Hall of Fame. Exactly. So, so I think, you know, perseverance, certainly teamwork and working with people from all different kinds of backgrounds, certainly leadership, you know, and having a common goal and figuring out how to work together as one unit. You know, all of those things are definitely, they've carried over in my life as a physician and, you know, here in public health at at OASAS. We always work with teams. We work with others. We have common goals. You know, we work under pressure, right? We have to perform. Um, and so it's just it's just a different flavor, but to me, it's really um, very parallel. Well, what do you think people can get out of sports more broadly, even if they're not competing at the high level? What if they're on the intramural softball team at Northwestern, so to speak, or whether if they are just a high school recreational athlete? What do you think sports can mean to people? In our society, I, I feel like sometimes there's too much pressure on kids uh, to become, you know, a scholarship collegiate athlete mm-hmm. or to become a pre- professional athlete. And, you know, I think some of that is misguided because really what so much of the benefits of sports are really have nothing to do with that. Um, But it is, you know, being active, being, you know, social around friends, uh, being healthy. It is, you know, um, stretching and growing and putting yourself in these positions where you're under pressure. You know, it's teamwork. um, It's leadership. So all of those things are so those are important characteristics in life, and I think sports can definitely help teach us um, those and help help us grow in that way. 
And that's really what's important. So whether or not you become a scholarship athlete in college or a professional athlete, I mean, it's great, but that shouldn't really be the goal. The goal should be, you know, to use sports as a vehicle so that you can get all these other benefits and, and learn and grow and thrive. Well, in your experience with coaches, did you find that they were interested in promoting the whole human or was the focus solely uh, what was happening on the diamond? I've had both, you know, I've had, I've had coaches who really saw it as a role of like helping women, you know, young women sort of grow and learn and, and become the best version of themselves. And then I've had other coaches who really focused more on the game. And, you know, I do have, um, you know, coaches that I still think about that had, that really pushed me. Maybe in, at the time, I didn't think it was fair or right or it was too hard. But when I look back, I really think they had a huge influence on me because they really, really pushed me to just be the best version of myself that I could be. And, and I appreciate that. Well, speaking of pushing, how did you, as a parent, decide how much you were going to push or keep your hands back for your daughters and their own interest in sports? Yeah, so, you know, I think my husband and I both sort of assumed our kids would be athletic, um, and they are to, to some degree. Um, to some degree. <laughs> to some degree. That's pretty modest. <laughs> I mean, they, you know, so we have three daughters, and they all, we wanted to make sure we exposed them to sports mm -hmm. just so that they could have that opportunity. They also had to know how to catch and throw a ball. I mean, that was, that was <laughs> definitely something we felt strongly about. Um, but, you know, you know, some of them took more than others, you know, in terms of one, you know, really didn't like soccer. The other one did. You know, one really gravitated towards gymnastics. Um, and so they had varying interests. And so, you know, we had one daughter who was much more focused on arts, um, which was not something that we really knew that much about, but then we've learned about. And then another one of our daughters played sports in high school, but was much more sort of intellectually curious um, which is fantastic as well. And then our youngest um, really f focused much more on sports and was um, a gymnast and then went on and, uh, to be a collegiate gymnast. More and more we see specialization of athletes at a younger and younger age. What are your thoughts on that trend? I don't think it's good. Why? So I think, you know, the different sports really um, change things up. Um, I, think, I think with one sport kids get burnt out. Um, with one sport, they're using the same group of muscles over and over again. And I think that's why we see more and more injuries. So you see girls, you know, with uh, all these knee problems, for example, you know, multiple times they've had to go in for surgery. I think if you were playing different sports, you're, you're putting different pressure on different parts of your body because it's, you know, different movements. And so I think sort of shaking that up is a, is a good thing. And I think when you, when you talk to a lot of coaches, you know, it's not the technical skill that they're looking for. It's really sort of the athleticism and understanding kind of the field or, you know, the sort of playing game. And I think there's, by, by playing a, a lot of different sports, there's a lot of intuition where you kind of learn where people are on a field and how to anticipate their movement so that you can then figure out how to, you know, um, move against them. And, and so I think learning that in a, a wide variety of sports is a very positive thing. And so it, it does make me a little sad that we specialize so early. And I think a lot of that, again, goes towards people trying to have the goal be the college scholarship or the professional sports right. rather than, um, you know, just the, the enjoy the ride and enjoy the path um, that the sports takes you down. 
you think there's a big psychological difference between people who focus on singular sports, whether it's golf or uh, maybe tennis or, or even gymnastics to a certain degree, because when you're out there, you are you know, responsible for your part of things versus team sports like basketball, like softball. Do you think there's a different mindset that gets harnessed and developed? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, uh, you know, I think certainly the focus on the, the mental aspect is a huge part of sports, mm-hmm. right? And I think you see that more in individual sports than in team sports. So, you know, it's so much mental and you see when there's mental breaks uh, that people just have a lot of challenges. I think in a team sport, maybe it's a little bit easier to get over that because you have the camaraderie, you know, you have others who can sort of step up um, when you're having a problem yeah. until you kind of get your, you know, your stuff back together again. And so you can rely on other people in different ways. So I, th- I think that's the biggest piece of it is probably the mental piece. What was the most ridiculous stuff that you and your teammates got up to at Northwestern? <laughs> I don't um, any pranks in the dugout, anything uh, amusing that stands out? I mean, you talk about camaraderie. I think that's part of the fun uh, of sports uh, can be, that, that team aspect. I think about myself playing baseball in high school and just being in the outfield and just screaming at, at the pitcher and trying to get other people to screw up sometimes and things like that. I mean, what do you remember? Like, Yeah, I mean, we, you know, so I still am very close with a lot of my teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, let me just say that from college. And, um you know, we were uh, very close because we just had experiences that are, were very different than other college students. The trips, you know, when we would travel to different college campuses, that definitely, you know, made us close as well. We certainly would would uh, have some pranks. I feel like, you know, we, we would like steal couches and stuff like that and put them in our apartments. We didn't have any money because uh, we were on scholarships. So we would you know, or I should say borrow, um, you know, some furniture. Maybe I think from the, the statute of limitations <laughs> has gone away by <laughs> yeah. this point. It's, it was a crime. It's okay. It's cool. Yeah. And uh, so I think things like that, that uh, we got away with and still have fond memories of and just developed really great relationships. And name, image, and likeness opportunities were not available to you when you were an athlete. What do you think of that change to college sports? Is it for the best? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. So when we went to school, you know, the dollar amount that was coming in for collegiate sports was very different than what it is now, right? These these leagues, the conferences and the schools are getting so much money um, from television. Right. Um, and, you know, the people who they're making the money off of are the student athletes. And so I think that just, you know, we see a, a larger and larger discrepancy between how much the coaches are making or the schools are getting and what the student athletes are, are getting. And so I do think it's a good thing that the student athletes have the ability to then, you know, make some money. Most of them are not getting rich, mm-hmm. right? I mean, most, m- the vast majority of them are just getting a little bit of, m- of money. But, you know, that could be the money to fly home for Thanksgiving or for Christmas. You know, that's the money, um, you know, to, to make your way at the end of the month um, after your money runs out. And I mean, you know, my sister and I were both at Northwestern. We couldn't afford that school if we weren't on scholarship. And so, I, I mean, I know, you know, I went home once once a year because we didn't have the money to fly home. So, so I do think that that's really what we're talking about. Very few get, you know, millions of dollars. Very few. Most of them just get a little bit of money. But I think it can be sort of more just uh, for those students that are really putting in a lot of money and – And if the schools are making a lot of money on them, then I think it's important that they share some of that. 
Well, we've been speaking with Dr. Chinazu Cunningham. She is the Commissioner for the State Office of Addiction Services and Supports. Commissioner Cunningham, thank you so much. Thank you. Is your business, agency, or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.